Check, one. I should tell that joke again and maybe it'll be funnier the second time. All right. Well, we're in this series, Back to the Future. This is the last Sunday of the series. I know that you're sad. We're, gonna, we're just going to kiss the 80s goodbye uh, this Sunday. But it's been great to, to think back, to, to check out the movie, and to dress, and to, to have a, a good time with it. I, I don't know what's happened the last couple of weeks, but I think, confessionally, I'm going through a, a very, very, very early midlife crisis. Um, I turned 36 this year, and it's just like 35 was tough. 30 was t- hard. 31 was really difficult. 35 was hard, but 36, I just feel like it's just a slippery slope right now, and it just goes by so quickly. But there's something about it. I've just been very reflective, uh, very contemplative in the last few weeks and months and just thinking about some, some things. Uh, and, and today in the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, I just want to kind of share some thoughts. And, and some of the things that I've been thinking, you know, probably aren't earth shattering for you today, but they're, they're just reminders. God's just been reminding me of some things uh, along the way. And, and what I want us to do today is we've been going in this DeLorean, and the idea is this, is if we, could get a, if we could get into a cool car made of all metal and go to the future and see what the future looked like for us, how would that change the present? How would that change the way we live our lives out moving forward? Now, here's where I want us to go in the DeLorean today. I want us to go to your funeral. Okay, we don't know when that's gonna be. Could be a couple of days from now. Hope not. Uh, Could be years and years and years uh, from now, but we're gonna go to your funeral, okay? For each one of us, just go there in your mind. Now I know you're already thinking, oh, what a killjoy. (laughs) We're gonna talk about death today. This is gonna be great. But you know, I, I, this sounds kind of weird, and I I see my friend John, he kind of embraces the same thought. I don't know if you know this, but John actually has a casket in his living room. Uh, it's his, it's, it's his uh, stereo system. <laughs> it's, it's a casket. But uh, John has been in that business for a long time and has some amazing stories. You should, you should hang out with him. But I like, this, is sound, this sounds weird, but I like to hang out at cemeteries. I, I know, I know. When I, when I go to a funeral, I even like to drive a, after the funeral's over, I know everybody's trying to get home for food or whatever happens there. I'm just like looking around. I like to drive around and just kind of to just absorb the tombstones and check them out. And uh, there's actually, if you played golf at uh, Longwood on the Palm Course from three to four, there's like a mini um, cemetery that's there. There's like four or five headstones that is between the, the holes. I always stop. I take my hat off and I just kind of just hang out there for a little bit. I just kind of just like it. Confessionally, I have to tell you that one of the reasons I really like it is because I like to look for funny things on tombstones. <laughs> uh, to, to think about what happened in their lives and how people lived their lives. Uh, found this one I thought was funny. Uh, their Aunt Fanny. I just hear the word Fanny and I laugh. Uh, my mom had a friend, her name was Fanny, and I just think, I know that's junior high boyish, but Fanny, come on, that's just funny. Your name is Fanny. <laughs> All right, uh, there's another one I saw. A uh, person obviously really liked Scrabble or Words with Friends. Uh, and obviously that was really important for them to go out first in the game. Uh, bump, bump. All right, moving along here. Uh, 
Oh, we can't see Merv Griffin's, but Merv Griffin, the game show host, on his casket it says, I will not be right back. <laughs> That's underneath it. <laughs> it's a good sense of humor. Keep moving along. Unfortunately, the pancake passed away. It's okay. We still have the waffle with us. Uh, man, these are really, I thought, in my head this week, I was like, man, this is going to kill it. <laughs> Get it? All right. Cauliflower, I was not upset to see the cauliflower had, had passed. Uh, not going to be missing that too much. But this one, it shook me. It really did shake me, uh, the chalupa. There's just something about chalupa at about 1 o'clock in the morning, Taco Bell, that's pretty good. Uh, and then we've got a couple other ones. Glad to see Doubt uh, is, is, is dead. Uh, maybe that's a, a good for, for some of us today that it's, it's dead. A couple of funny things. Bill... Who apparently Bill Doubt, his favorite phrase, it's five o'clock somewhere to be known. And Martha May, she was really, uh, apparently the, the front roads were not available, but the back roads were. So there you go, going to her house. And then let's see, we got, there he is. The search is over, folks. The search is over. And then this one, are there, let's see, I uh, just... Come on. It's funny. I know, the, I know this is totally photoshopped, but come on, that's funny stuff. No worries for those in the room. This was, that was a photoshopped thing. Uh, Santa Claus is still with us, all right? But, but you can look at the lighter side of, of these things. And the truth is, we are all going to, to die. Uh, George Bernard Shaw said it this way, death is the ultimate statistic. One in one will die. And a funeral is coming for us. Now, the cool thing about funerals I've found is you can pretty much tell in your, in your will or your, your, your desires that you can pretty much tell people to do whatever you want them to do and they'll do it because obviously it's the end for them. And so like I went to a funeral in South Carolina and the person who passed requested that someone sing Amazing Grace, Elvis style in the full deal, okay? So I'm at this funeral and, oh, me. And this guy is shaking. I'm not going to shake for you. In the funeral. And they did it because they asked for it. So just have that in mind, okay? If you want like 80s casket, 80s funeral, just or bad Hawaiian shirt, funeral day, just put that in there. But we know it. It's coming. We know that the funeral is going to most likely happen if the Lord doesn't come back before then. So what I want us to think about is this. You know, each funeral will probably be different. You know, we'll put our own personality in whatever that's uh, there, your favorite songs. But at some point in the funeral, someone's going to get up, and they're going to say some things about each one of us. Question is, what will they say at your funeral? What will they say at your funeral? What are the things that people are going to, to mention about you? Tim Elmore, this kind of had me thinking this week about it. This guy named Tim, Tim Elmore is a fantastic writer. He writes in his book, Habitudes. The contribution of a leader will ultimately be summed up in one sentence. And although we, we participate in many activities, we're remembered for just one or two. What will your sentence be? What will your sentence be? Now, I have to tell you, when this time comes in people's funeral, it's always very interesting to me especially in the preparation process, because some funerals I've been to and they have been amazing. 
I mean, they have been amazing, the things that people have said, stories shared, and you get just chill bumps thinking about the impact people have made on others. And just, I mean, it really is. You talk about a party, a home going, it, you sense that. The moment you're there, you just know it. And in other funerals, oh man, it's tough. I mean, you're trying to just find anybody to talk because no one has anything to, to, to share. No one has any good thoughts or good memories or, or things that, man, this is, this is his life that I want to say out loud. It was like that at my, my grandfather's funeral, to be honest. They asked me to speak, and I declined. And I know that sounds terrible, but I couldn't think of a single thing. You know, the thing that, I, that came to mind is every time I'd go to his chair, you, you can shake it and, and coins would come out. That was the memory that I had, and I didn't think that was worthy to share at someone's funeral. So, of course, you know, we, we didn't have anyone that really shared except the, the, the pastor of the church, and he spoke for 45 minutes. Oh, my. And he just preached everybody, including my grandfather, into heaven uh, that was there. The, the comic relief, though, in the middle of this 45 minutes, I look over, and this is old guy, friend of his. I'd never seen him before, and he's got a jacket on, and inside that jacket, he's got a Diet Coke right in here. And he layered straws. You know how you did as a kid and made that really, the, 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 the super straw? He'd like taken that home as a project, put that straw on that Diet Coke, and he was drinking it out of his jacket the whole time. So it was just kind of that moment. I was like, all right. Uh, <laughs> and you kind of just have to have those moments in, in difficult times. But, but I've been in those situations. I was at a funeral once where a young guy, about 20 years old, he died too early of a rare disease, and his friends came in, and, and all they could think to share was all the times that they'd partied together. And it was depressing. In fact, they didn't even know what to do afterwards. They went to the parking lot, and they, they did what they've done. They started to drink some more just to kind of buffer. And to, it was super sad. I saw a friend, I was just in this reflecting process, Friends of mine, Matthew and uh, Christina Johnson, their dad, Dennis, uh, he passed away this last week. And uh, man, he just was an amazing, amazing dad, amazing giver of life, amazing person. Just, you just, when you were around him, it just was bubbling over with life and this love for Jesus. What they said at, uh, in, in his obituary, I read it this week, is today we will celebrate the life of a wonderful, God-loving, hard-working, extraordinary man. Not afraid to get his hands dirty, to help someone or his knees scuffed to pray for them. He poured out his life for others. What a cool thing to say about you. I was thinking about this and just reflecting on this even more this week, and I, I on Twitter very seldomly, but I'm just flipping through this week, and a guy that I follow, Louis Giglio, he posts about uh, Truett, Truett Cathy. And uh, just a little bit, and, and you can see that uh, hopefully on the screen. And the, I don't know if you can see the comment there about Truett. It says this, uh, and, and just to catch you up, Truett Cathy, founder of, of Chick-fil-A. And, but, but what Louis said is, is pretty profound. This, the dash between the year 1921 and 2014 represents a life of true humility and grace that was poured out for others. The world and its people are forever changed because of Truett Cathy, because Truett Cathy walked this earth. He fed us all and made Atlanta proud. Pretty cool, pretty cool stuff. Truett, I don't know about, I don't know if you know about his story, but 
he grew out of poverty, had nothing. In fact, I heard his, a, a little video of him sharing one time, had nothing, had no toys to play with other than a loose tooth growing up. And that tooth wasn't even his, it was his brother's. <laughs> but he just, he, he, out of nothing, he grew this amazing, uh, let's be honest, ministry. If you go into a Chick-fil-A, you're going to something that's different. I think that's what draws people. I mean, you just sense I don't even know how they do it. I need to talk to someone that, that, that works there. It's like every single person gets it. I don't know if I've ever had a bad experience at Chick-fil-A. I mean, they're always just so accommodating and so kind and so nice. And the words that come out of their mouth, I mean, it's obvious they came from someone that founded the place. Did you know that Truett Cathy taught Sunday school for junior high boys for 51 years? For 51 years. I love junior high boys. <laughs> I only lasted like 14, okay? <laughs> 51 years. These are some things that were said about him in his funeral. He set an example for others to follow. Truett's life followed Proverbs 22.1. A good name is rather to be chosen than greater riches. Great riches. That's exactly what Truett lived out, and it was a privilege to know him. Joyful, joyful a ma- of a man with a life well lived. And this is one of his quotes. Nearly every moment of every day, we have the opportunity to give something to someone, our time, our love, our resources, said Kathy. I've always found more joy in giving when I did not expect anything in return. And he gave tons and tons and tons away. So I was thinking about this. You know, just all this kind of thoughts in my mind. You know, I have to tell you, I want to live a life that counts. I want to live a life that makes a difference in this world. And as I've pondered that and thought about what are some things, if I want to do that, if we want to do that, what are some characteristics and traits? And just thinking about Truett's life, you know, the first thing, if we want to live a life that counts, we will protect our integrity. Integrity matters. For him, Sunday, man, I have to be honest, there are times I leave this place and I go, Truett, oh, why are you closed on Sunday? Your chicken sandwiches are so delicious. And I want one more than ever right now. And your playground open for my children so I can eat in peace. But he said, you know what? We're going to be closed. Why? For families and for worship. And when a time the pressure came from people, you can't make it. You can't survive. You can't do that as a businessman. Stayed true to that. Keeping our integrity and investing in the lives of others. Now, when we think about this whole leaving a legacy, let's be honest, that's kind of where we're at. And we think about our funeral. Confessionally, there's some probably in this room, maybe a lot of people in this room, that immediately their thoughts are of regret. The things that they didn't do. The things that they did do. The things that they wish could go back. I talked to a friend this week, and uh, he's basically sharing about how he just has this regret of not investing more in his kids. It, it, it broke my heart. It leaves me in this place as we look at Philippians. This has kind of been our, our passage, this, this couple of, of verses in our time the last few weeks, but I want us to, to, to press on with it. Uh, Philippians 3, 12 through 14 says this. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. This is Paul talking. He's basically just talked about, I want to know Christ. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. He continues, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on 
to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed in me. No, dear brothers, I have not achieved it. This is Paul. This is, you know, if he hasn't achieved it, I don't know. I mean, we're all running after. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. I was thinking about that and I was reminded of that story. And I know that you've probably heard it before. Alfred Noble, the Swedish inventor, he woke up one day and to a French newspaper clipping. His brother had recently passed away. Remember that story? And, and there's the headline that it actually got the two brothers mixed up. And so they wrote the obituary for him. And so this is what the, the, the author wrote. So he, here he is, he's reading his own obituary in the newspaper. And this is what the the newspaper writer said, that uh, the merchant of death is dead. The merchant of death is dead. And and it goes on that that Alfred Noble was a chemist who died a wealthy man. And as the inventor of dynamite, which up to that point, that's what he was known for, he enabled people to kill each other more efficiently than ever before. He read these words and it was an eye-opening experience for him. It, he got to see that day, the, the funeral day, and it changed his life forever. In fact, he took everything, his, his entire fortune, and he put it to something called the Nobel, what prize? Peace Prize. Honoring people that are, are striving and seeking after the opposite of what he was known for. And this is what he said, I love it. I believe that everyone deserves a chance to change their obituary in the middle of their life. Hey, today's the day. You get a chance. That is the joy. I know we're we're talking about death and that's no fun, but this whole series is about an opportunity. We have an opportunity. Today is that opportunity. Now is that chance to change your obituary. Because you know what? You can live a life of regret. You can live a life always looking in the rear view mirror of regret. Or you can thank God for the opportunity you have right now. You know people that just constantly look in the rear view mirror, constantly just living there? God has called us to put it away. I got to go to this, man, it was amazing. A CR, Celebrate Recovery. It was, it was an anniversary at a church. But it, I gotta be honest, it was a pep rally. It was a pep rally for Jesus and a pep rally for people that have given their life over to Christ and have given a second chance. And let's be honest, if you know Christ, that's all of our stories. It's all of our stories, a second chance. And I have to tell you, it just was amazing. It was a pep rally. It was a place full of joy. Just people just overwhelmed with gratitude and thanks for having this opportunity. And I I gotta tell you, I hang out with some Christians and they, fit, they don't fit the overwhelming joy category. They fit the Debbie Downer category or the Bummer Bob category. Do you ever hang out with these people? They're just like, you hang out with them and you just are like, man, I gotta go take a nap. I'm just drained. I mean, they just find everything about life that's just wrong. I don't think that's who God's called us to be. I think when people hang out with us, I think that there should just be this feeling of like, yeah, man, I feel better about myself. I feel better about life. Like God's, God's given us this gift. They just seep out gratitude and they look for the things in life that are beautiful. 
They look for God's creation. They look for God's redemption and love, and they see it in all different places. And then there's others who go, I didn't even, how did you see that? They live this gratitude. They, re, they replaced cynicism. They replaced the junk and the, the pollution of this world with the joy of Christ. It's, it's beautiful. And if you're living in that world today, let me give you a, a, a verse of encouragement. And it's Philippians. And we kept going to 4, 6, and 7. Don't fret or worry. If you're living this, this life of worry and fret, don't live there. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Let, letting God know your concerns before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you. It's, a one, it's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Beautiful. And, and, and I kind of had one of those epiphany moments in the middle of this pep rally. The epiphany was this. These people believe it. These people actually believe that when Jesus said there's no condemnation, that we have been forgiven, that those things are not held, us, held against us any longer, that they're thrown away, that his grace has, has washed it all away. Those people believe it. And I wonder, I've been to a lot of churches and they're singing songs and I don't know if people believe it. Because if you did, if we did, man, we'd be singing a little bit differently, wouldn't we? Something else hit me in this reflection time. I was talking to a friend and a friend that I hang out with a lot. I love this friend. But he's this friend. They tell the same stories over and over and over and over and over again. And they're good stories. They're great stories. And you have friends like that? I don't know. It just, they just tell the same. And they're, fun times are funny. And in the middle of this story that I was hearing for like the 10th time, you know, and I'm a good friend because good friends, you know what they do? They act like they have never heard it before. So I'm working on my facial expressions. I'm trying to, yeah, you know. Now the bad friends, bad friend, they immediately like, I heard that before. That's what teenagers do when you use an illustration upstairs in the youth room and they're like, hey, Pastor Ray, you told that story before. I know I did. Or maybe I forgot. Um, but I'm in the middle of the story and it just kind of hit me. It just, I'm trying, because I'm listening. I know how it's going to end. I don't, I'm kind of going into that other conversation world in my head. And I'm like, man, I, I want to tell new stories. I bet I'm the guy that's the one that's always telling the stories, the same ones. I want us to tell new stories of what God is doing instead of just telling the same ones. Because I feel like that sometimes I live in the past of old stories instead of seeing what God's going to do victoriously in the future and looking for those new stories. I want to tell new stories. Don't you want to tell new stories? Man, I do. Reflecting, thinking about all of these things, there, there's something else that just jumped to mind. Uh, I, it just popped in my head. I saw new guy Eddie, uh, Pastor Eddie. He is actually pretty gifted with sleight of hand stuff. And uh, he did this, like, you know, the thing, the ball disappears, the finger disappears kind of thing. Uh, I seriously lost it. I didn't know where it went. And I was like, I was checking my own ear kind of thing. <laughs> and it reminded me of uh, NYC uh, four years ago, in, three years ago in Louisville. By the way, NYC, amazing event. If you can go, you should. There, a guy named Francis Chan, amazing author, speaker, is there. And he, he pulls this illustration out, and it just, mind blower. 
I don't know, you know how that is? Illustrations stick with you and you can forget everything else there. But he, he grabs this rope and uh, he pulls this rope and, and he, he's got it taped just like this. And, I, and, I, and basically what he was saying is this. Do you see this little black piece of, of tape here? This represents your life. This is, right, let's just call it your dash, okay? This is your life. And, and, and I don't know where we are on in that life part. I don't know if we're, you know, at the very end or in the middle, but this is your life. And, and what this rope represents, and the reason I thought the magician, you know, have you ever seen those guys that were like, they have something out of their, yeah, here's, that's where we're going today. Uh, but this right here, I mean, it just, it just keeps going. Or just, I don't know, this is unplanned, by the way, as you can tell. I mean, we just keep going around and around and around, and oh, I don't know if it's going to stop. I don't know how much rope I put under the stage, but we're just going around, and somebody tell me when it pops out there. But, I mean, let's just be honest. That's a lot of rope. I'm just going to come back here for a second. You can turn or not turn. It's fine. But this, this, this black part right here, it represents our time on earth, whatever number of years we get. You see this white part? It's just an illustration of eternity. And how you live this part right here determines eternity and how we will live in eternity. What you do now will affect that. And if we want to live a life that counts, if we want to live a life that makes an impact on this world, we have to be people that think and act and focus not on today, but on eternity, on eternity. And that's what the, the gist of this, this passage is as we keep reading. And you look in 3, 17 and 21. If you got it, join in. If you can't see it on the screen, here it is. Paul keeps talking and about this forgetting the past. Let's look forward. And this is what he says. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after me and learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you often before, and I say it again, catch this, with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things and they think only about life on this earth. This little dash. They're only worried about the dash of like, I just got to get the most out of life. And their appetite leads them. Appetite leads them. That's the philosophy of our world. If it feels good, then it is good and it is right. And so whatever makes me feel good now is, I don't care about the rest. I'm just trying to live it up now. And so there is a focus that is totally, the, it, the thought of eternity is not even there. Maybe it's just because we think that that's all that there is. And that, oh, that breaks my heart. That one would think that this is it. This is not, not the it. There is an eternity in mind for us. And there's, well, just be honest. We can spend eternity one place or another. And that's not a fear factor. That's just the, the, the truth. And we can determine where that eternity is spent based on relationship with Jesus because he gives us this opportunity to, to take the things of our life that have called shame, 
and it's caused regrets, those things we talked about. And those things can be washed at the blood of Jesus because of what he did on the cross. That eternity can change forever right now. Right now. We can make that difference. And God has called us in this, this business of looking forward instead of looking this second, this moment. Let's get past the moment and let's look at eternity. I was, it was, this was on my heart and my mind, especially this week during 9-11, this remembrance of this, uh, such an impactful week for us as a country. I remember where I was at. I'm sure you remember where you were. I was actually in Houston. I think it was the first time I was ever in Houston. I was here for an NYC conference just for a couple of days, got stuck downtown, and, and just everything that happened that day was, uh, happened, I mean, it was foreshadowing of, of where things would be living here, but just, you've got those images in your mind. You've, we've thought about those things this week. There's a story that I was reminded of. I remember faintly, and I saw it again, and it just, it just rocked me to the core, and, and I, I want us to see it this morning. It's about, a, it's about a kid who lived a life that was different. Legacy. So I've read, watched that story, the, the words in Jude came to mind. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you eternal life. A day is coming, folks. A day is coming of eternal life where there'll be no more tears, there'll be no more pain, and we'll be with our King forever and we'll sing His glory. And this is the next line. But be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. It's our call. I don't know what you do. I don't know if you're a teacher. I don't know if you're an engineer. I don't know if you're a mom. I don't know if you're an equity trader. I don't know if you're a pastor. I don't know if or what you do. But we all have one call. We all who know the love of Jesus Christ and have been transformed by him and given a second chance, we have one call to save those, to snatch those from the flames. Sometimes we get distracted and we forget, don't we? We have moments to, and we think eternity, but sometimes we just get so lost in the busyness that we forget about eternity and we just try to get through the day Oh, be reminded today, be reminded of our call. Today, I wanna to give you an invitation. Maybe this morning, as you, God has been talking to you, maybe you're coming today and you don't know how the rest will be spent, if we were honest. Today is the day of salvation. This moment is yours. Salvation comes in knowing and stepping out in faith, believing that Christ Jesus did what he did for you and has forgiven you. And, and that can happen in this moment by stepping out and saying, Lord, I accept, I accept your love, this awesome gift that you've given us. Lord, please forgive me. I wanna follow you. It comes in, in, a, in a moment and it starts this journey, this walk of faith with him. Or maybe today, maybe the call for you today is this. You've forgotten your true call, the call that all of us have. And you know people, people you work with, people you love, 
people you care about so dear, people you come in contact with. I was reminded of a story this week of, a, of an atheist. He's a magician. And he said, his name is, is, is Penn Gillette. And he said, how much do you have to hate somebody not to share the greatest thing in all the world? Are we so worried about what people think that we can't take opportunities to save those from the fire? So as you hear the music, this is the call today. There are bandanas all around on the, on the altars. If God is leading you this morning and you wanna say, I'm taking a step of faith, I want to accept this beautiful gift that Jesus has given me. I want you to come and take a bandana and I want you to pause and I want you to thank God and accept that, that love from him. Maybe you wanna ask for forgiveness today and say, God, thank you for the blood that you shed for me. Thank you for second chances. I will take advantage. I will live this life out of gratitude. Or maybe you need to say, I'm gonna take that hat off every single day. And every day I'm gonna remember my call. And when opportunity comes in a conversation or a moment, I'm going to take it and I'm going to remember. Let's pray, respond as God calls you this morning. Lord, God, I pray that that feet would respond to the call you're putting on every one of our hearts today, God. Lord, I pray for those this, this morning that, that don't know, that have doubts, Lord. This is the moment of salvation. This is the, 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 the step of faith right now, God, that will change their life forever. And God, forever, they can live with you and without worry, without doubt about what could happen today or tomorrow, whenever. And God, I pray for courage today for those to step. Lord, I pray for all of us to respond today in that call to action, to seek and save to those who are lost, to make disciples of the world, God. You've given that all our mission, Lord, and I pray that we would accept it, Lord. God, I pray these things in your name, and I pray that you would be with my friends now as they respond in your name. Amen.